2: WestwoodDental.com. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. We are live at Copper Fire in Belleville. Uh, it is the big Blues preseason party here at Copper Fire uh, in Belleville, and it's brought to you by America's sports artist Rick Rush and the Market
1: Stream Dream Painting. Gentlemen, how are you? It's great to see you, man. It's really been a while since I've been in a place this classy. Absolutely. It's really nice. Most it's of the time incredible. when I eat, it's got a drive-through. <laughs>
0: well, that's the only the places they usually let you frequent. That's so. a good point.
2: It is a uh, point. It, it is a beautiful spot. It is absolutely just stacked up with blues fans all the way around. Yeah, well, so to be
1: here. You've been here a while. How's the food? How's the drink? Okay, first of
0: all, uh, I've been tell you here what since about 1.15 today, and it has been incredible the entire time. Where The staff here has been fantastic. The food has been incredible. I'll tell you what, the short rib sandwich, I wanted more than one they have cauliflower like buffalo I think I think that's
1: what I ordered it's I'm not like sure. or
0: the meatballs one of the, two. the meatballs were incredible there too so, honestly amazing everybody here has been great they've been hanging out all day talking to us coming up saying hi uh, the staff's been super friendly can't can't say enough great things about copper fire
1: okay so here's here's a question for you okay and this is oh a boy. general going out to drink question okay. yes Um, Is that the answer? Yes. Right right. right before we started the the, the show here, I was asked, hey, do you want something to drink? And I said, absolutely, yes. (laughs) And uh, so I said, uh, this is my drink. It's a gin martini, dirty dirty on the rocks. Okay. And And the ingredients in the recipe is two shots of gin, dry gin, a full shot of dry vermouth, ice. Olive juice and a couple, two, three olives. And you just leave it in the rocks, in the glass, mix it up a little bit, and here you go. Thank you very much. My question to you is, how often do you think that is made correctly when I go out? Why do you even order that? That's my question. Because it's, an, a, it's an amazing drink. You acted like, like. What are you, 70? You acted like. <laughs> first of all, you acted like you
0: took a drink of the thing. I took a drink of it, and honestly, it was I like I more, had a urine sample. I <laughs> It was so terrible. <laughs> you barely took. I I, got, did, I could smell I got, the gin on my way out, and as it hit my lips, I was like, "This is urine." I, I, it's. Urine. I got
1: more on my prom night than my glass did from your mouth. I. Just now. I, I am. I'm, I'm the worst
2: yeah, guy I, to answer this question, and you know that. Never mind. I'm, yeah.
1: So yeah. my. Uh, so my. My question is with yeah. that. With that uh, type of recipe, it would it be a. A d bag move to bring the recipe on a business yeah. card and say, oh, yeah, it's kind of so? a d bag move to order that drink." <laughs> no, that's not. I think it Stop is. Stop it. I, think a I don't think big. it is either.
0: I hope oh. you tipped like double for that. It, it oh, would... I don't know. It's on your bill. Oh, well, that's Good all right. Call so you. no, so it's no okay. It's on meat's tab. All right. So I see. He's about to leave. So we
2: should probably talk about hockey at some point or the other while we're here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would probably. I mean, I'd it would make talk sense. About
0: drinks, I got a nice uh, little Elijah Craig here on the rant May I? So what is that though? Which of
1: side there. of the glass did mm. you?
0: Why are you licking? Is the that rim? A, like a
1: whiskey or what is it?
0: Why does Jeff lick the rim? That's weird. I don't know. There's like a all of, the way around it too. Listen,
2: man, we know there's we a lot of weird it. things about that guy. Yeah, we not, won't be surprised. A bourbon. By it. Oh, it's a bourbon. Okay. Yes, it
1: is. Yeah, I'm getting a Pepsi. Yeah, that's, that's a
2: wise choice. I right. seen how you act <laughs> with
1: alcohol. By the way, your Pepsi's right
0: there. Oh, or very good. In fact, you're sober, and what? I think that's a wise choice.
2: Listen, I, I, I'm a very, very happy drinker. When that happens, man, I'm 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 effervescent. I'm everywhere. So man. I've seen. So th- it
1: works opposite with you. You know what, what man? Why do you got to take this? I've seen, here. It's, I've seen Donnie, it's like
2: a nice day. Why did I do? What did I do wrong? <laughs> I don't. I've get seen it.
1: Donnie disciplined with his own belt. That's all I'm saying. Oh wow. Anyway, yeah, yeah. hey, did you guys hear about Perron? Oh yeah. So what is this? Should we be concerned?
0: Like, uh, is this a big thing, David? Perron. Yeah well i mean fire the alarm no uh i don't know exactly what's going on with david perron obviously he's got some kind of a an injury right now it's not a great sign that he missed the last practice before the very first game of the season i will say that um Now, that being said, it's David Perron. He's a really competitive guy. He's not going to want to miss a game, let alone the very first game against the Colorado Avalanche. If I can remind you guys, he didn't get to partake in that playoff series last year because he was on the COVID protocol list. (laughs) Right. So Perry's probably still a little pissed about that, and he's going to definitely want to be a part of this game. Now, is it at a point where you're like, at all cost? No, it's not. It's the first game of the season. The Blues are going to be very careful and with the injury problems that they had last year on this roster, I guarantee that Ray Barilli and the training staff were going to be like, yeah, let's just baby steps through this. Let's make sure you're okay. But if he is okay and he's able to play, I guarantee David Perron will be in the lineup. So, Because
2: I, I had him picked. You know, the Blues asked the other day online you know, who they thought or who we thought would score the first goal of the right. year. And that's who I had picked was, was Perron. I got Perron or Saad. So if Perron doesn't play, then I'm going Brandon Saad.
1: I threw out and I didn't. I didn't actually type back to them. I almost did, but I said Murray Barron, and I know that <laughs> Murray Barron. I, Baron, I old know Buffalo that's a bit head. of a dark horse. Yeah, because I don't know head. if he'll be starting. Remember the
0: size of his cranium? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Remember Fred Flintstone and oh, Barney Rubble when they course. had the Royal Order of the Water Buffaloes? Yeah. yeah. That was Murray Barron's head. <laughs> I love Big Murray. He was my first partner in the NHL. What do you Great guy, very talkative.
1: Not at Not all. At all. No, no. Maybe it was just me, though. <laughs> Maybe we just know. didn't want to talk to you. Oh, yeah,
0: it's possible. It's uh, possible. You know what? It has that li- effect
1: on people. I was listening to you guys uh, on the way in, on the way over here. Oh, thank you for doing that, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I really didn't like it. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> you, I, you just you, you said it was a throwaway line, and I hope I get it right. Uh-oh. I'm sure you'll remember because it wasn't too long ago. But you mentioned, I think it was uh, Nico Mikula. Yeah who uh, you said he needs to play like he's in a bad mood. Correct. I I love that phrase, and yeah. I think that's something we should use throughout the year, maybe one player per game. Hey, who needs to play like they're in a bad mood? Okay. I don't know if he's going to be in the starting lineup tomorrow night. Uh, he, but it doesn't, doesn't look like he will be. Who in the starting lineup do you think needs to play like they're in a bad mood? Game one, let's just get her moving right Game away. Game one, right away.
0: Uh, can I pick a guy in each position? You can, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, man, I'm we talking got, about like a forward or defense. We got an yeah. hour to kill. Go <laughs> <Okay>. for it. <laughs> do uh, what you do. <laughs> up front, I'd love to see James Neal play like he's in a bad mood. I think that uh, the way he can bring the physicality, and certainly he's got the goal scorer's touch. He scored, he has as many. 40-goal seasons as Vladimir Tarasenko. So digest that for a second.
1: Do they have the same amount of shoulder surgeries?
0: Mm, No, Vladdy's got him beat on that one. All right, well, that's a good Um, thing. But James Neal also is a very physical player, and Vladdy's not. We know that. I mean, it it is what it is. But I'd like to see James Neal come in where it's almost like when you pet the cat the wrong way. You know that, Donnie. When you pet a cat the right way, oh, it purrs. Uh, Right, right. It's yours. The the cat loves it. Yeah. Yeah. When you pet the cat the wrong way, they
1: don't like that so Babash, much. It's yeah. bad time. That's yeah. why
0: I shaved my cat bald. That way it didn't have any. No, I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. I Thank don't have a so cat. Opening night's
1: look, night. Right? <laughs> so opening eyes tomorrow night. So now we can move
0: on to the defense. You can pet safely. a bald kitty any way you want, <laughs> Jeff. I mean, why not? Um, now, that being said, I, I do think that James Neal up front and I think Robert Bortuzzo on the blue line. Uh, I think that big Bobby Bortz, he has it in him. We know that. I think he's got to bring it more often. It wasn't consistent enough in the last season to where when opponents played every night, they are like, ah, where's Bortuzzo? I got to make sure he's not coming after me. He's hitting me. He's coming in my face. It wasn't quite there last year. So I would like to see that this year. And what's the one thing that we talked about at nauseum last year? got to clear the front of the net the other team is parked in front they're just standing there nobody goes after anybody donnie i saw you you blew out an eyeball one day it's yeah. Yeah. everywhere the new, eye,
1: the new eye looks great it, looks, you, it does Thank look you. good it really it a Great you can match. tell that. which one Listen, it is mm-hmm.
2: technology goes a long way in a lot of different that places 3d these
1: printing days. is incredible and again i was listening to you guys on the way in just to steal material mm-hmm. and you were talking about how uh Bortuzzo needs to show a little more of that sandpaper, you said. Yeah, but, yeah. but doesn't but the he, sandpaper get him in trouble? That's, that's what sometimes. I'm saying. It always concerns me where he takes that next step, and but all of a sudden he's in the uh, penalty box. But that's his job, to like, be in the penalty. Box? No, not to be in the penalty. box. Or does box. he just need to figure it out? You're going to take. Do you the, want me to be quiet so you can answer? The I question? would love for you to be quiet for like <laughs> two pen, seconds. Put the pen down. Take a
0: sip of your uh, old man drink. There, right. and we'll be just okay. fine. Do you have any Worthers? <laughs> <laughs> That's for the ride home. Somebody get him some butterscotch, We got a little bit of a dry throat after being an hour on the radio, Jeff. (laughs) Um, No, look, yeah, Robert Bortuzzo, you you don't want him in the penalty box all darn night. That's for sure. I get it. But that's some of the headache you have to take with a guy that you're going to ask to play that way. And you're just hoping that he can figure out more often than not which things are getting called and which things aren't getting called. But physicality plays, man being tough and being physical doesn't necessarily translate to penalties you can have five or six or seven hits in a game and obliterate guys to where there's gear lying on the ice to where you think there's a damn yard sale going on and not get a penalty so you you these days in the nhl if you move your feet and you don't stick check meaning like you're hooking in the hands and all that or slashing if you're body on body shoulder to shoulder and you're playing aggressive you won't get a penalty. So, let me, I want
2: to ask the question, and I know that this is, I already know the answer, but Colton Pareco being uh, at 100%, mm-hmm. how much does this alter how we look, or how you look at the defense this year?
0: Well, it's a huge difference. I've been watching a lot of Colton Pareco video here in the last little bit, and to watch him play two seasons ago compared to last season, I didn't realize how much of a difference it was. And... The number one thing I realized, like the very first thing I realized, was wow, he's not taking a slap shot at all last at year, all. which should be a fine. Which, yeah, but if he's healthy, correct, he wasn't healthy, right. right? So winding up for the big laser from the point was obviously tweaking something for Colton, and so that's the first thing that jumped off the page to me. I was like, wow, and I know he's shooting them now. He's been shooting them in practice and before the season started and in preseason, so that's going to be something he's able to add into the game again. The next thing is the way he skates. It's so fluid. It's so smooth for a big guy. Like, it's crazy to think of a six foot six guy that skates like that. It seems like he's five strides and he's on the other side of the ice. It's like a big, beautiful swan (laughs) when they fly, Donnie. It's just something you have to stop and stare at. You're going
2: to make me tear up, Jamie.
0: I know. I feel the same way. (laughs) Uh, So when Colton Pareko is healthy he's got obviously he's a great skater straight ahead but the pivoting and the opening up to where when a guy goes wide on him they don't even have a chance he's a quick pivot he's in their face he's cut them off the play is over last year we saw a couple times where he goes to do that pivot and it's kind of like turning the tractor trailer around it's not because he can't do it it's just physically he wasn't able to do it and Watching that kind of video, I'm going, wow, that's going to be a big difference maker too because guys like Nathan McKinnon and the Landis Cox and the guys that we're going to be you know, matched up against at the end of the season when it comes playoff time, they're not going to be able to just skate around all over the place. They're going to have a big, healthy Colton Pareko in the way.
2: So, But does that maybe, his health, does that maybe make up for some of the lack of physicality that we worry could hamper this, this, this Blues defense this year?
0: It's two separate issues, okay? okay uh one first of all, I would love for Colton Pareco to wake up in a bad mood one day. The oh, kid has man. never had a bad day, and uh, that's not true, but he's such an awesome dude that he just doesn't have that in his toolbox to I would love to have chris pronger just a just a smidgen and just spray it in there a little bit and be like,
1: here you go, Colton. Well, it's It's ironic you say that because early on in Pronger's career, that was the same thing about him. You'd have to slap his mom twice before he no, said No, that's that. not true. It's uh, not true. I, that's what
0: I remember no, about him. Okay, well, let me tell you about Chris Pronger. He played in the OHL, and he was a grumpy son of a you-know-what. And then he got to the NHL, and it's intimidating. Even though he's six foot six and he's a big dude, it's intimidating. The league, the tough guys were six three, six four, six five, and they were c- caving in the side of your face mm. at will. So when you're Chris Pronger and you're six six and you're 190 pounds, uh, that's not a big dude. It's tall. It's not big. Right. And so if you're going to go out there and play big boy hockey, you better ex- expect guys like Bob Probert and what Dave ha- Brown, what a hate, what like,
1: fighters. during his time, it too. was
0: nuts. You know, Stu Grimson, Todd Ewan. I mean, just take your pick of guys that were dragging their knuckles behind them mm. and they were in the league at the time so chris pronger took a few years for him to get confident enough maybe that's what and I meant. get some man strength behind it but it was always there i can tell you it was always there and then all of a sudden boom flip the switch and you've got one of the nastiest d-man in blues history patrolling the blue line for you now i don't think that that's not going to be in the cards for colton parejo i can tell you that right now however however just a splash just a splash of it and i think that if some of the guys on the back end with him played the same way it adds a layer of confidence you don't ever want to feel like you're a guy on an island doing something all by yourself right but if he's out there then bortz is out there and justin falk is not afraid to mix it up tory krug he's not afraid i know he's not afraid but he's not as effective that way I'd rather him just move the puck up the ice, join the offense and create some scoring opportunities for the team, that's Tory Crew being effective. Uh, But the rest of Marco Scandella, same thing. I would like him to be a little nastier. He's a big dude, he's 6'3", 215. There's no way he can't throw the body around. He looks sturdy. He is a sturdy dude, he's in great shape. Uh, I think that these guys as a whole, the, the entire unit can play a little nastier. And by doing so, yeah, it'll suck at first because you will have some pushback and guys will get in your face and they'll call you names and they'll come after you. But as time goes on, 10, 15, 20 games in the season, that will start to settle down because teams will be like, "Yeah, I don't know if I really want to get involved in this. Maybe I'll just pick a different night. And that's when you start to win the physical battle.
2: So Jake Neighbors makes his NHL debut uh-huh. tomorrow night. He sure does. 19 years old. I cannot even imagine
0: that. Jamie, you
2: were that guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So here's where it is for me. There was two different times where I would say it was the start of the season. I played my very first game, preseason game, against the Montreal Canadiens uh, in 1994. So I was 18 turning 19, okay? And it was in Montreal, in the Montreal Forum.
1: Wow. Uh, Disclaimer, when I was 18, I was hoping the door was locked in the bathroom. That's all I'm saying. Mm, I had the same problem at times, Jeff. Now, uh,
0: Montreal, for me. You know what I mean, right, Don? I I do. I'm just trying to keep the train on the track. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, um, (laughs) Montreal Canadiens for us was like the home team because at the time, Ottawa did not have the Senators. So, we grew up on the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the Montreal Canadiens primarily. So that was a big moment for me. My parents are going to be there. My grandma was going to be there. And uh, I went up the very first shift. And uh, Jerry Fleming, who is six foot seven, Ooh. about 260 pounds, he hit Philippe Bozon from behind, head first into the board. Ah, the flying Frenchman. Mm. Can't have any of that. No. Well, I looked around. I was like, somebody's got to go after this guy. I was the biggest guy on the ice. Oh, boy. I wasn't big. I went over and Jerry turned around and uh, cross-checked me right across the nose. Oh, no. As I was, like, going to throw my mitts off, Jerry cross-checked me right in the nose, and my nose ended up in my eye, pretty much. So very first shift of the game, and then Jerry and I... Went round and round a little bit. I don't remember much after that because, you know, my eyes are watering. There's blood everywhere. I can't breathe. My grandma's crying in the crowd. No, she wasn't. She was like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Finished the game. I had these things up my nose, and they broke my nose and bled everywhere. My very first hockey card, funny story has a piece of gauze hanging out of my nose. A- I,
2: I have to get that. Now yeah. you've given me something to find. I have two black eyes. Yeah, you yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I have two black eyes that are starting, and I have a piece of gauze up my nose. Oh, you and that's dude. your first ever card. <laughs> it's a fantastic like you look. finally make it to the mm-hmm. show. Yep. Oh,
1: my gosh, I'm getting a card. My first NHL and card, is.
0: and there it is. Uh, wow. So that was my first, like, preseason game. I was nervous for that game. The next game, my very first real game in the NHL was against the Washington Capitals. I wasn't nervous at all, like not at all, because I, like, I believed I should be there. I had a good preseason, good camp, and you're leaving junior hockey, and you're the big dog on campus, right? So you head to the NHL, you think, well, I'm still the big dog. So in your mind, you're like, well, of course I'm playing. I, I, I should be playing. Like I'm a great hockey player. So that was my thought. Two different perspectives. One, nervous for the one game, which I probably shouldn't have been, sure. but I was. And then not nervous at all for my official like first game in the NHL. Um, so Jake Neighbors is probably one of the other. I would imagine that Jake Neighbors being a high pick and working as hard as he did, he got here early with the team. And we saw, we read some of the articles and all that stuff. I bet he's nervous, but not afraid. And it's good to have, you know, the butterflies in your belly. My dad used to say, that means you're about to do something great, son. Yeah, throw up. Yeah, that guy's going to cave in the side of my face. (laughs) Why does it feel like that when I want to fight, Dad? (laughs) Ah, you're fine. You're going to be just great.
1: You know, it's interesting, though, that uh, the way you spend your time the night before your first ever NHL game. Because think of, I can only imagine what (laughs) you did. (laughs) Speaking of keeping, maybe making sure the door was locked. But somebody like Jake Neighbors, there's probably that temptation to get on social media and see what people are saying about whether it's him or the team or whatever, but also, and I know this is a silly thing to think, but as a 19-year-old, he's probably keeping himself busy with video games. Yeah. Oh, no, he's occupied. Which is sure. fantastic. Yeah. So you're not yeah. laying there thinking about it the whole time. He's occupied, but you know, the,
0: here's the thing with the technology, too. You're like, oh, he's occupied with the video games all his buddies who are on the gaming system with him, all of the Snapchat, and Instagram, and all that, Everybody's messaging him right now. He's going to have to probably just turn the phone off and put it over to the side for the night, make sure that he gets a good sleep, get a good practice in tomorrow morning, and be ready to go. But look at all all indications are that he's going to be just fine. Craig Bruby was on the fast lane with us this week, and We asked him about Jake Neighbors, and he basically said, look at... This kid has been impressive from the moment I've seen him here this season. And he's ready, he's mature, He he's like a leader
1: already. And I, I did read an article where, when he was a 16 year old, 19 year olds on some team were asking mm-hmm. him advice for certain situations. But I wanna talk about, I want you to talk to us about how a 19, 20 year old kid deals with the hangers on. When you get oh, this God. money, you get this notoriety, yeah, you man. walk into a place like this amazing place here, Uh, Copper fire, and you don't, you know, you're just treated so well, and then you have your hangers on. Because when you and I were hanging out back in the day, I saw so many of your hangers on, and one of the worst things I ever saw was one of your quote unquote friends, and this is at Mississippi Nights. Rest
2: in peace. Rest in
1: peace, Mississippi Nights. And I know you know, moment of silence. Moment of silence. I I know you know this, I know you know what I'm going to say here. A friend of yours was talking with somebody and went like this, Jamie, and shook his. Empty beer bottle at you. That's something that you have to deal with off the ice, so that you have a clear head on the ice. Yeah, look at what happened. And it sucks, man. I saw you get taken advantage of at bars, and it just. But you created on your own, right? And I did.
0: And that's one thing that I tell young players now is uh, you don't always have to pick up the tap. And that's the one thing that I created on my own was, as soon as I signed my first contract, you want to be the good guy. Your buddies have the, you know, they they have the. Nine to five jobs. Nine to five or the minimum wage job. Like I was 18, 19 years old. So my 18, 19 year old buddies are working at Walmart or whatever. Not that it's a bad job, but it's not the same thing. So you feel kind of bad. You're like, I got it. Just put it on my tab. Just put it on my tab. Well, that just becomes the norm after a while. So that's what you create your own misery sometimes. And uh, but you learn, too.
1: And as I got older, I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I remember back in the day, you had a lot of friends that were in bands. Yes. You know, and uh, as I did, and I know, Donnie, you did too yeah. at that time. And you go, I'm getting a, a steady paycheck here. You're out there trying to find a paycheck. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and take care of it for you. Yeah. But you just don't, I just, I hated when you were taking advantage of yeah, but it. But you learn
0: quickly, right? And you figure out very quickly who your true friends are by who sticks around and who goes away when all the fun stops, right? So when you stop paying for the fun. And you're like, all right, hey, I'll get this, but you guys handle that or whatever. Like, handle the bus or the limo or whatever the heck you're doing that night, you know. But I'll handle the beer, you handle the hard liquor, you get the shots. And all of a sudden, it's the, your crowd of people that surround you start to get smaller and smaller. And then all of a sudden, you end up with who your true friends are. And that's when you know, okay, i got my core group of friends. Now everybody else can kind of F off.
2: Man, I just, I can't imagine, like, hanging out with dude and expecting to be paid for. My, that's like my, why my parents years. would have never, like, what? they didn't raise me like that, Jeff doesn't tell man. the
1: story properly. He was the guy with the beer bottle. <laughs> yeah, that was me, and he got it every time. So thank yeah, you very was, much. What the every, heck's going on no, here? But Donny, He's like, you but your I point. got you free ticket for the Mississippi Knights. <laughs> yeah, I never wanted to be that guy that was so careful about it, and that's why I still remember it, you know, 25 years later or whatever. But,
2: but also, too, we must keep in mind that Jake Neighbors is only 19 years old, and we know that he would not be and indulging no. in any sort of alcoholic beverages. We're talking
1: about me at that time. Right, right. I We're talking
2: about you. We're not talking about him. Just, no. just to he's be correct. clear. Buddies correct. are
1: making him pay when they supersize
2: him. What does is, what is Jake Neighbors need to do to stay?
1: Uh, Jake
0: Neighbors needs to do exactly what he's already done, which is to be a very smart hockey player and be a big physical presence out there. One thing that the 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 Blues have needed in the last season anyways is that big physical presence out there and look at their look at their lineup this year compared to last year you look at Zach Sanford he was a big guy but he wasn't physical That's one one of the main things that people got angry about is well look how big he is he doesn't run into anybody well yeah you're right and look where he is now they got rid of him right Yet they moved on Pavel Buchnevich is a big physical guy he's not going to uh, kick anybody's butt out there. But he plays physical. He's hard to get off the puck. He's a nightmare down low. Brandon Saad much the same. He's a strong guy. He's a bull in the corners. He's a bull in front of the net. Okay, James Neal. Another guy, 6'3", 220. He's a big dude. He's hard to handle in the corners. Jake Neighbors is another guy, 6'1", 205, 210 right now. He's only going to get bigger and stronger. If you're seeing a pattern, that's what Jake Neighbors has to do. He has to play like James Neal. He has to play like Pat Maroon did. He has to play like Brandon Saad's going. He has to play like Braden Shans going, too. So want
2: it seems like the Blues were a pretty big team in 2019 when they won physically. And then it seems like they kind of slimmed down a little bit yeah. or got a little smaller. Mm-hmm. And now
0: they're ramping it back up again. Is, yeah. is that true? 100%. And we had Doug Armstrong on the fast lane not too long ago. And he talked about that. He's like, we look a lot more like the team that we wanted, a lot bigger. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go out and kick everybody's face in every night, because they don't really have any fighters, right? So, but they can play physical. And the forecheck's the biggest thing. And again, diving into a bunch of video here recently, yes, I'm the video dork. But when the Blues are on their forecheck, when they get the three or four or five guys involved in the forecheck, they're a nightmare to play against. They get the puck back, and they keep it, and it's really, really tough on the opposition. So... Getting those big bodies back into your lineup. Jaden Schwartz, I love Schwartz, the energizer bunny up there, and I would take him back in a heartbeat. However, the fact that we don't have him will let you get James Neal. It let you acquire Brandon Sod. It let you go after Pavel Buchnevich. Mike Hoffman, he was a power play assassin, there's no doubt. One of the best power play guys in the league, but he was small, not physical, didn't play hard in the corners so again if you swap out some of the smaller bodies that were in your lineup or the non-physical guys and then you bring in some of the bigger guys who are willing to mix it up a little bit this is a bigger team and they're playing more physical.
1: I'm very excited about the possibility of James Neal I really am especially the first let's just say 10 games like mm-hmm. let's see what he has and then you can reevaluate there's not a whole lot of uh, monetary... Uh,
2: um, you don't got a ton of dough in, into the guy. Tie, yeah. tied well, up with right the guy. now,
1: the Blues are on the hook for league minimum. Right. So my question to $750, you... $750,000. And not, not bad for minimum. This Sorry, program sir. is based around Donnie and I being fans, talking to an NHLer, former NHL player, who's been in the locker room and has the other perspective of it. So I'm going to throw out there something that I know a lot of Blues fans who are concerned about is, why should we be excited about a guy that we just... We just picked up that nobody else wanted james On neal the PTO. yeah okay. sorry james neal yeah, yeah no that's, that's co- a really good question as a matter of if, fact, because here. i don't get me wrong but who, I, who I am, do you think <laughs> sent it to him i am very excited it. about what the guy can do especially because i've heard you talk about his past and what he has done and encoded and maybe he can do this again but tell everybody why they should be excited about it. That's a that's a great point. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I can probably weigh in a little oh, bit. Oh, have
0: it, yeah, have Well, it. no, I mean, I
2: know you're going to correct oh, me. No, but I encourage. All he's a big. No, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. He's going to play physical. Uh huh. And he's got a scoring touch. He it's sure the combination does. of all of those things.
0: You did really good, Donnie. Thanks, Thanks man. I'm very really proud. of I you I right listen now. to
2: you, Jamie. You don't think I do, but
0: I do. Well, I'm proud of you. It's <laughs> nice that you can listen. You can learn. You're coachable. Best <laughs> they would say. You. I would hope so. Yes, very good. Uh, now to expand on Donnie's great points uh, regarding James Neal, he is big, he's physical, he's a veteran guy that knows what the Blues want. He, he basically said, we talked to James Neal today on the fast lane here at, while we are at Copper Fire, and he said, uh, I knew what they needed, and I was able to bring that this year
1: because I felt healthy and I was ready to do it. And how many times have you said that that's how you stayed in the league was you find a team, or find a team, A team that you're working to to, to be on you find their need and you fill it
0: yes a hundred percent and i tell young players this that are struggling to stay in the nhl i tell them you have to become a chameleon and they look at you like what are you talking about i said whatever the team needs you become that player if they need a defenseman that is moving the puck and jumping up the ice and doing all that stuff, which usually they don't need that because that's usually reserved for like the star guys, you know? Yeah. Um, then you try to do that. In my case, I, I've said this before, I came into the NHL as a, a top scoring defenseman, broke records in junior hockey, made the AHL All-Star game two years in a row, all that stuff. It wasn't going to be that way for me in the NHL. So what did the team need? They needed a guy that would block shots, kill penalties and try to put guys heads through the boards. So that's what I became. And that's how I stayed in the league. And so every team I went to, I would figure out exactly what they need, tweak ex- what I needed to do and become that guy. And it kept me in the NHL for a very long time.
2: All right, so let me ask you this though. And we got to go to break, but but and I don't know how to ask this. And you're my homie, so I know that I but like do I you ever I was your homie. Yeah, you are. But do you ever look back on that and like regret that you weren't able to kind of play the offensive game that that you
1: you know came up yeah. with and were known for doing it's funny you say that because most people would not know you as a goal scorer record breaker yeah. that sort of thing yeah well, if they want to
0: they want to giggle a little bit they can go in and google my stats as a second highest scoring defenseman in ohl history had 121 points behind who uh, brian fogarty and bobby orr and al McKinnis are behind me
1: Robert Orr. Robert Orr. Well, I don't know Al- that name. Yeah, somehow, Al McGinnis. heard somewhere. of that guy, too. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: I had 27 power play goals one year, 32 goals as a defenseman. And then in the American Hockey League, I had 53 points my first year in, I think it was 70 games, which was, you know, pretty good stuff back then. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't to be. And, and, yeah, if I could go back, I wish I would have pushed back more and held to my feelings that I was going to be that guy because as the game, as the league evolved and as things progressed, I would have been okay. Yeah, I would have been fine. But at the time, we had Mike Keenan here. And Mike Keenan said, we have Al McInnes, Chris Pronger, and Steve Duchesne. We don't need another one. What a jerk. He really did. And he purposely, like, if I carried the puck over the blue line without passing it, he'd bench me. Oof. And he'd do some weird stuff just to break me of my own instincts. And finally, you get to the point where you like, well, I kind of like it in the NHL. I'd like to stay here. Uh, I'm just going to go off the glass and out or pass the puck D to D to Al McKinnis, and uh, he'll do the job. But then when the puck's dumped in, I'll go get it, and I'll get my face smashed into the glass, and I'll do all this
1: other stuff because I get to play a lot more when I play that way. So it's funny because in the NHL, you either have the skill of putting the puck in the net or sacrificing your body. You wanted to do it almost seems it, like it, it. was that way. At, now, at, at least at that time. The game has changed a little bit yeah. now
0: uh, where you have a team full of guys that should be able to move the puck. Like even now, like if I came in the league now, even if I wasn't a top-scoring defenseman, There would still be a lot of value to it because it skated so well, handled the puck so well, be a guy that would move the puck out of the zone, into the zone, join the rush. And you got the
2: sandpaper, too.
0: And, yeah, well, I had to find that. I had it, but. Okay. I had it coming out of junior, but not as much because I was always playing on power play to. and doing. All I didn't. I was like, I'm not getting involved in that crap. I want to go <laughs> score some goals. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> all right, uh, we've got to thank our brand new sponsor for the Last Minute Blues Podcast, and that's our friends over at Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. So, uh, guys, we, we don't have a ton of time left. What? Uh, <laughs> I thought we bought two hours tonight, (laughs) And and a big surprise. We had talked about doing one thing, and we haven't done it even in the slightest. But, Jamie, I think one of the things that I kind of want to know going into tomorrow night against Colorado is I feel like, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, that this team is like, I feel like they're underrated. By the hockey media, I feel our like, Blues team. Yeah, man, yeah. I feel like they're ha- they're mid pack seemingly everywhere, and I feel like they're way better than that, even with the offensive depth alone.
1: You know how when you have like something medically speaking, you're not sure what it is, and you go to WebMD. Come on, high school WebMD, and you and you look. <laughs> And well, you look at it and, okay. it, and it tells you all these horrible things. Uh-huh. If you Google your St. Louis Blues, it tells you all these horrible things about one percent chance of winning the Stanley Cup, or uh-huh. whatever it is. Maybe what was it, fifty-six percent chance of making the playoffs? They just seem so much better than that. I, that's what I'm saying. And, and what my question for you, Jamie, is: What is the biggest
2: difference right now between the Blues and the Abs, the Blues and the Knights? You know, those teams that the Blues are going to be fighting yeah.
0: for in the West. Yeah, well, one thing that the biggest difference is they haven't played a game yet this season, right? And what I mean by that is the Vegas Golden Knights have a very similar roster to what they had last year. The Colorado Avalanche, very similar. They don't have the same goalie. Uh, they don't have Philip Grubauer this year. They got Darcy Kemper to be determined how that will work out. Yeah. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. That could be a big pit, uh, pitfall for them. Uh, so we'll see. But the St. Louis Blues haven't had this team together yet. So the, the variables of Buchnevich, Saad, Neal, uh, a healthy Pareko, they don't take that in consideration. They look at just the numbers from last year, and they're like, eh, not so good, right? Right. I think that the proof is in the pudding. And what I mean by that, and you guys know that, let's see Saturday night. Let's see where we stack up. And I understand the, the Avalanche will be without Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, that scumbag hit somebody on his knees head first into the boards. That was really terrible. It was yeah, it terrible. Really, it, was it was awful. Although I would take him on my team. Yep. Uh, now, that being said. <laughs> yeah, it's a different question. <laughs> he'll be out of the game on Saturday. Nathan McKinnon, McKinnon to be determined on Saturday. He was on the COVID list. He missed their very first game. I believe it was Wednesday night. And not sure on Saturday for their home opener. So either way, it doesn't matter. You're going to start to get a, a very quick assessment of where your team is at. I think the Blues are much better than what they're being given a chance to do. Jeff, to your point about the fifty-six percent descent, thats all crap. Right. I think that I think it's a two-horse race in the Central Division. I don't care what anybody says. I think it's the Avalanche and the Blues, and it's going to be
1: a dogfight to the end. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm so glad you said that. You just set it on a tee for me. I'll swing and miss it, I'm sure. But <laughs> the four uh, the, the 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 playoffs with the Colorado last year didn't go so well. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Uh-huh. Little bit of changes with the Blues this year. Put the McKinnon possibly not playing aside, put the Landeskog for sure not playing aside. How does this version of the Blues match up against Colorado? Because last year we did not match up very well. Yeah, but you didn't have your team, Jeff. You had like you had an unhealthy Colton Pareco, you had a David
0: Perron that was out for COVID reasons, you had Zach Sanford in your lineup, you had Sammy Blay in your lineup, I like those guys, but they were playing major roles on your team when you had guys like Valerie Nikushkin and like Nazem Kadri, these are depth guys for the Avalanche, it doesn't match up, but this year, this year, look at your third line, as of right now, your third line is James Neal Robert Thomas and Vladimir Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko. you know that sounds like a lot of goals, Donnie, I'm going to say this again that's your third, third line. So if you want to talk about depth, you want to talk about having, uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Doug Armstrong loves to use that. And his team was not that last year. It was in 2019. You had a lot more depth in, uh, available to you. And then if you look at your fourth line right now, you have Tyler Bozak, Ivan Barbashev, and Jake Neighbors. Jake Neighbors to be determined, but Tyler Bozak was arguably one of our best players in the last quarter of the season. When, he, when he was finally healthy last year, he played on the power play, the penalty kill, regular shift, and he was out there for big face sauce. Awesome. Ivan Barbashev was playing on the left wing with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. Why? Because he's that good of a player. So those guys are on your fourth line right now. So I'm confident that man for man, player for player, that the, the St. Louis Blues match up just fine against the Abs. I want to ask one question about
2: the abs real quick, man. I still don't understand this goalie situation and why they would put it all on temper with that team and then him in the goal. It seems like you know, there's I, definitely a screwed up. Though. Well, because the group Grubauer, right? So, they too. they I screwed so too. up.
0: They waited and waited. And then they threw an incredible offer at Gabriel Landeskog because they didn't want to lose him. Then they had Kale McCarr that they had to pay because they didn't want to lose him to an offer sheet. If you look at remember last year, we talked about, well, somebody should just swoop right in there. Yep. And I said, if I was Doug Armstrong, I'd be an absolute scumbag. And I would be right in there. I would offer a sheet the you-know-what out of Kale McCarr. And if they didn't match, great. You get one of the best defensemen in the NHL. If they did match, they couldn't afford Gabriel Landeskog. So now I swoop in on the back end of that, and I sign Gabriel Landeskog. That's what I would have done. I'm a scumbag, though. But yes. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. But what happened is they kept both of those guys. So what? what something had to give, right? Guess what it was? Your goalie big mistake in my opinion losing your number one goalie I've never been a Philip Grubauer fan just not sold on what he can do but he was your number one goalie if you're not sold on what Philip Grubauer could do or what he couldn't do how can you be sold on Darcy Kemper Darcy Kemper was the oh crap we need a goalie who's got really good numbers it maybe won't cost us that much Darcy Kemper but he's been a great goalie on a crappy team tough so who
1: knows what you're getting? It, it, you just don't know. And, and in 2019, I think we saw the um, fruition of everybody always saying, you get yourself a hot goalie, you can go far in the playoffs. That's what the Blues always never had uh-huh. when they had everything else was a hot goalie. Yep. And I wonder if they screwed up by, by putting all their money everywhere else except for the goalie position. Time will tell, yep. right? Time will tell. But I,
0: I personally believe that it was a big mistake. Um, not that you wanted to lose Kale McCarr or Gabriel Landeskog, but I think that you could have gotten a depth player for four million, five million plus. You could have held on to Philip Grubauer. You would have let Gabriel Landeskog walk. And I understand he's your captain, Ms. net, but you're out, at the same time you're also trying to give the captaincy to Nathan McKinnon at some point. Right. So to avoid that whole conflict, you let the one captain leave that maybe you're going to move on from and maybe you promote from within. Maybe uh, Valerie Nikushkin gets a bigger role on your team. Maybe there's somebody else at 4 or $5 million that you bring in that you can put in that spot on that line, and you keep the goalie that you think can get you to the Stanley Cup. I've got one more kind of roundabout NHL question here, and that's about Jack Eichel.
2: What do you think happens with this situation? And, you know, like, I, I was reading the, the five teams or whatever that I guess are supposedly in the running for them, and Vegas is one of them, uh. and that seems like it would be a really bad thing for the Blues. So, you know, what do you think, and how do you think that
0: this is going to all shake out? Well, if Vegas is truly in on this one, they're going to have to give up enough to, to be able to support $10 million. Hitting their salary cap. So if that's the case. Which I couldn't imagine because they were having so many cap problems last year. They were. So imagine that they're probably going to have to get rid of a couple of really good players. So then it may not be as horrible as you think because they may have to lose a Pacioretty and somebody else at the same time. You're like, oh, wow. Well, that's. Well, they got Eichel. But who knows about Eichel? He's kind of unproven. Right. He's $10 million of unproven and and unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the situation in Buffalo is awful. I don't know how they got there. Quite honestly, I don't know how the ownership in Buffalo has let that happen. They, they should have just behind closed doors said, all right, your expert says you want the surgery or you need it. Get the surgery. Get the surgery. We'll get full cap relief while you're injured. So the $10 million, we're going to go spend somewhere else. If it takes you a year to get better, we're going to go sign a guy for $10 million over here for a one-year contract. And whoever it would be, right, you, go, you move on, you do your thing. It's ended up being a damn disaster in buffalo and now you've got these trade candidates we don't know where he's going who he, if he's going to be healthy if he's not i don't know if i'm a team i'm kind of distancing myself from the jack
1: Eichel sweepstakes until i know exactly what's going on medically because
2: there. that's going to cost you a lot
1: can you imagine i mean this is a tarasenko situation here times 10 oh it's yeah i mean and I way mean, worse could you imagine because uh, that's what i'm saying way worse could you imagine if this was happening here? yeah
2: well those owners in buffalo they were they were busy with other stuff
1: yeah, they're putting together a damn football
0: team. Hey, Donnie. Oh, thank you very oh, much, guys. I, I just
2: appreciate you going down mm-hmm. that direction for me. No problem, yeah. buddy. So this our is pleasure. it. This is our first ever live broadcast uh, for the Last Minute Blues podcast. Like We're to, wrapping it
1: up. I'd like to throw in I don't want it to be the last one. It can't be the last one. I, we right, we I want to come back here. Yeah, Copper Fire is the place to do this. Yeah, yeah like, I want right? to come yeah, back yeah, here. Yeah. Absolutely, these people are
0: awesome. The place is fantastic. Yeah. Jeff gets old man drinks that I'm, are done right. I'm coming back for the meat
1: meatballs if nothing else.
2: You do like those balls. I Jeff. do. <laughs> Listen, uh, this has such been such a great spot here today at Copper Fire in Belleville. And again, they've hosted the preseason uh, party all day here, our preview uh, party here all day for 101 ESPN. Oh, geez, and we man. are wrapping it up. Wow. I guess fourth hours. line minutes, kind of. So uh, for myself, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, (laughs) Jamie Rivers, Last Minute Blues Podcast, thank you very much to Copper Fire, 101 ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right
0: motivation from world-class instructors,